Well, welcome in, everybody. We're going to do something special on the Fight Freaks Unite podcast. I'm TJ Reeves back with Dan Rayfield. Dan, back aboard here as part of Big Fight Weekend, and we've started up the Fight Freaks Unite uh, podcast here. Uh, So, Dan, it's good to be with you, and we're going to commemorate a special anniversary. We're targeted, we're laser-focused on an epic, arguably the greatest short fight of all time, and it still continues four decades later to stand the test of time. Hagler Hearns, Friday, April 15th, will have been 37 years since that fight. And I know we're looking forward to talking some about this, reminiscing, uh, remembering it, et cetera, and we're doing a special podcast around it. Listen, if there's any fight, uh, there's a handful of fights in boxing history that deserve to have a commemoration more than just the 10th anniversary, the 20th anniversary. We should celebrate Hagler Hearns every day of the year, frankly, if you're a boxing fan. (laughs) It's just that good of a fight. You know, it's on the short list of the all-time great fights. You made a very good point. The the greatest short fight because it only was three rounds as opposed to some of the classics that went, you know, mm-hmm. 10, 12, 15 rounds. But uh, there's no doubt that that is one of the legendary fights of all time. I have obsessed over the four Kings fights for most of my life. Hagler Hearns, Leonard and Duran. Obviously that one sits atop of the list as the very best of all of them in terms of just pure action. Although I do love also the first fight between uh, Sugar Ray Leonard and Tommy Hearns. I mean, they're, they're all, you know, all significant and interesting. Uh, to one degree or another, except maybe uh, Leonard uh, Leonard Duran three. We can forget about that one. Yeah. But uh, but Hagler Hearns though, uh, you know, on a scale of one to ten, Hagler Hearns is like a twelve. You know, and maybe uh, Leonard and Duran three is like about a minus five. Uh, maybe it's a seventeen Hagler <laughs> and Hearns. So I want to set the table here for the audience. I'm, I've obviously got Dan right here, but I've also got a couple of uh, heavyweights in the figurative sense. Uh, In terms of broadcasting, Al Bernstein, the Hall of Fame broadcaster who has been, it seems like with every outlet currently now with Showtime, but he was on the pay-per-view call that night as the analyst of Hagler Hearns. We'll hear from Al with his thoughts. The other Al, Al Michaels, the Emmy Award winning Hall of Fame broadcaster that is known more for football and baseball work and, and USA Olympic hockey fame of 1980 at the Winter Olympics. He actually was on the call with Al Bernstein on the pay-per-view call that night, uh, April 15th of, uh, of 1985. And then Barry Tompkins, who you know very well and we've gotten to know as well on our coverage on Big Fight Weekend and the podcast. Barry, also in the Hall of Fame, Showtime Boxing uh, broadcaster now, formerly HBO broadcaster. And Dan, you know this, he and Sugar Ray Leonard and Larry Merchant were on the tape delay call, which came, what, several days later, as I recall, Hagler Hearns, I believe, was on a Monday night. And then the HBO tape delay, I believe, was the following Saturday night, the first time that a lot of people got to see it again or got to see it at all uh, because they did not have the pay-per-view was the Barry Tompkins call. We'll hear from Barry Tompkins a little bit later on, and I know you're very familiar with him as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're, the thing about it is they're, they're both great calls of the fight, different uh, because of the announcers and just the way that they handled it, but both are great calls of the fight. Um, and even though the, 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 uh, the call made by Larry Merchant and, the, and Barry Tompkins and Ray Leonard uh, was on tape delay for the HBO broadcast, they were still ringside for the fight. It wasn't like they were in a studio or they did it after the fact. They just did it that night and just held it in the can until HBO premiered its uh, delayed, uh, delayed broadcast. You know, and that was, those were the days where pay-per-view, as we know it today, where you're just sitting in your living room or on your phone or your, your, your tablet or whatever, and you just click a couple of buttons and you get the fight. 
back then you had to make a real effort to go if you wanted to see the fight you'd have to actually get in your car god forbid drive to the local place that was showing the fight usually a movie theater or some kind of theater um bars and restaurants to a lesser degree but really it was a, a, in movie theaters and big people always ask rooms, me big ballrooms ball too rooms. that would have several thousand people sometimes in them the question i get from a lot of people over the years not just about the, the rationale for hagler hearns being on a monday night before a lot of those big fights you know in the 70s and 80s taking place on monday nights tuesday nights why you know because now you know in this era we're used to having the major fights on saturdays occasionally on friday Oh, there's been a few fights with Showtime. They've, 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 um, you know, targeted or, 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 or experimented with a pay-per-view on Sunday night, like they did with Mayweather and Paul exhibition or Gervonta Davis. But why, why Monday nights I'm asked often. And here's the reason why, because in those days when you had to get in your car and go typically to a movie theater uh, or even to a ballroom, for example, that may be a catering hall or something, what wasn't happening that night, people aren't going to see big movies that open on the weekend. People aren't having a, 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 uh, a retirement party or a wedding or a, uh, you know, a, some type of uh, anniversary party or, you know, those types of family gatherings on a Monday night. Those are typical weekend nights. So those venues were available and open. And that's why big fights like Hagler Hearns were on a Monday night, because the availability of being able to show them in a closed circuit uh, situation was conducive to those businesses who were looking to bring people in on what would typically be a slow night at the movie theaters or at a, at a catering place. Love Dan's insight here covering the sport. He's got a lot of nostalgia, uh, a lot of memorabilia from this, uh, from this epic thing. So you're a perfect one to ask this, having covered the sport for as long as you have. Uh, why do you think it still stands the test of time? For what reasons are we still talking about this epic fight? What would you say to that, Dan? I would say that it is the epitome of what, what boxing fans want from their fighters, from their heroes, from the stars. The best guys fighting the best guys without a care about the titles, the records, the nonsense, no you know, made the deal, happy with the money, and not just go in the ring you know, after saying a lot of things about what you're going to do to your opponent, but going in there and throwing down and just going after it from the minute that bell rang, you know, you know, people should remember, and Bob Arum, who was the promoter of that fight, has told this story many times. You know, back in the day, you know, they didn't just jump on a Zoom call with some press guys and or put it on YouTube or on, on Instagram or whatever uh, and, and let it go out to the world to do a press conference and to have them rile each other up and get in each other's face and create a viral moment and all that. They didn't have that. That technology didn't exist. So you needed to really hit the road to pound down, you know, pound the fight all over the country so you would literally have the biggest fights they would rent you know a couple of uh, private planes and they would literally fly city to city like on a barnstorming tour and go and do a number of cities now some of the bigger fights in recent years have done that they might do five cities you know canelo and mayweather for example was a huge huge fight they went to like five or five cities i think it was they came to washington new york las vegas etc los angeles wherever they went but back in the days of hagler hearns they were doing like 30 30 some cities over the span of like a couple of weeks. So as Aram says, they were in each other's face every single day, twice a day, sometimes, you know, arguing and bickering and they couldn't stay. By the time that press tour was over, as Bob tells the story, they really, really despised each other and wanted to just kill each other. And when the bell rang, all that, all that animosity, all that frustration, all of that uh, stuff that had bubbled up during the course of this lengthy press tour, 
uh, answering the same questions over and over, but all from different media in, in different cities all through the country. They were just ready to get it on. And, you know, they were ready to go in there and, 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 and I'm sick of your ugly mug in my face every day for, for, you know, a, a couple of weeks and I'm going to kick your rear end. And they went in there and they threw down and it is the most glorious nine minutes of violence in boxing history. Period. Yeah, that, that first round uh, is just so epic and stands the test of time. And I know you made reference to this, the Showtime documentary series that they did. And we should, uh, I, I should illuminate too, not just for Dan, but for the audience hearing us here on Fight Freaks Unite, that I got to interview Matt Whitecross, the director, the documentary maker for the Showtime series, The Kings, uh, that was based around all of these fights and the fighters of, uh, of Leonard Hagler, Hearns, and Duran. And he said to us uh, in and around making uh, the documentary that uh, I believe was a four-part documentary, the part of the documentary that comes to this fight, they could have done an hour with all they had on it, the footage, the interviews, they could have maybe even done an hour and a half on just, just, on, that one fight. just yeah. on that one fight and a lot of it just on that first round. And you learn from the documentary that Hearns obviously broke his hand at the beginning of the first round. You get all the insight from all the angles uh, on that. Um, again, as first rounds go, I don't know what really compares to that. You can certainly come up with some examples, but for the magnitude of the fight, no feeling out process, no let's get used to each other. It was, as the fight was billed, war, W-A-R. It was yeah. war, right, Dan? And and they were they were – you know, maybe we could think of somewhere, somewhere in the pantheon of, uh, you know, a hundred plus years of professional boxing, maybe come up with a round that might, uh, you know, be in the conversation. But one of the reasons why that one is so talked about is because it wasn't just, it was a great round. It was a great round between two absolute legendary fighters, you know, guys that were pound for pound level guys, champions who were in great rivalry fights with, with Leonard and Duran also, uh, who were hall of famers who had huge popularity among their fan bases um, and it's just an extraordinary three minutes. Um, what can you say about it? I mean, I'm not even joking when I say this, TJ. I pro and because it's a short fight, it only takes, you know, 10 minutes to watch the whole fight, basically. Maybe, well, actually a little bit less. Um, I probably watched that fight, either a clip of it or the whole fight, some form, probably like once a month, once every couple of months. I've easily it's, seen it 50 times. I'm not oh, exaggerating. I mean, I and, I maybe, and I maybe have seen it more than that. You know, you mentioned that the, uh, the the documentary that Showtime produced recently, uh, the four-parter about it was about all four of the fighters and their and their series of nine fights was fantastic. Um, but back when, and because HBO did the delay of that fight, you know, back a number of years ago, it's got to be going back probably at this point, back to around two thousand and three, maybe or so. HBO produced their twelve-part Legendary Night series, which was mm -hmm. a documentary that aired weekly over the course of twelve weeks where they focused on a singular fight of what they at the time were referred to as the most significant and best fights in the third at then the 30 year history of HBO boxing. And obviously one of the fights that they did a 30 minute documentary on was the Hagler Hearns fight. So that document's on YouTube. I have, you know, like I've done with all those legendary nights, I made myself a DVD of it, but it's a, if that's another great documentary, 30 minute look at that fight. And also for those, I always get asked by boxing fans, you know, what's a great book to read about boxing. I can't give a higher recommendation. There's a, a fantastic book. I, I believe in, in, in all due respect to the documentary, The Kings, 
but this was before that. And this is even more in depth because of the way that they did it with the book format is the late great writer, George Kimball, who wrote for many, many years for the Boston, uh, Boston Herald, who um, was an early mentor of mine, died several years ago, but what a great writer he was covered all nine of the great fights between these four guys. And he wrote what I consider, and I think if you read it, and you will consider it also, the definitive history of the, of the rivalry between those four great fighters. Uh, it's called The Four Kings, um, a book, and it's, you know, it, it not only does it cover each of the bouts, but it covers what was going on in and around those bouts and sort of leads you, you know, in a, in a basically chronological order through what's happening, but with great insight and interviews from all those involved. And obviously there's a, a pretty significant uh, aspect of that is the chapter or chapters, I guess, I guess it's broken up by each bout about that fight. So if you want the real details from those who are involved, uh, George Kimball paints a wonderful picture of that fight, everything that led up to it talks about that, that barnstorming tour that I mentioned and, uh, and goes through what happened. And, uh, you know, I can't give it the higher highest recommendation or it is the highest recommendation. If you want a good boxing book and you're interested in those four Kings and you love Hagler Hearns in particular, you know, Go find that book. It's out there, like on you know, not even that expensive. You can buy a soft cover. Just a just a great, great uh, book on the history of those guys and uh, Hagler Hearns. Obviously, if you're a fan of those fights, that is the centerpiece for many people of that rivalry between those four guys. No doubt, love the insight of Dan Refeel on this. Love Dan's uh, commentary here on Fight Freaks Unite. Uh, let's get some other commentary. Again, Al Bernstein, I want you to hear from him right now on this podcast. Again, Al is a legendary broadcaster. To go back to April the 15th, 1985, he was on the pay-per-view call with the other Al, Al Michaels, who was known more at that time for ABC Sports baseball coverage. By the way, Dan Rayfield, Al Michaels had not yet begun to do Monday Night Football on ABC, which he did forever. He did for another 20 years once he started doing it. He no, Al, was, started, Al did, he did Monday Night Baseball after he did Cosell. Monday Night Baseball after Cosell doing college football, had done the Olympics, et cetera. But he's on the boxing pay-per-view call of Hagler Hearns with Al Bernstein. Let's go back to a conversation I had with Al Bernstein on our brother podcast, on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, without reliving this a little bit, and then I'm back with Dan for some follow-up thoughts in just a second. But here's conversation on Hagler Hearns with a guy that was on the call, Al Bernstein. When you reflect, what comes to mind first for you being on the call on such an epic world middleweight title fight? Yeah, that was, you know, I mean, 1985, I was only five years into my broadcast career. I had done one major pay-per-view, which was Hagler... Uh, Hagler Duran and that was big but this event kind of eclipsed that in a lot of different ways uh, and so for me it was a, a big moment and my broadcast mates on that broadcast were Al Michaels and Kurt Gowdy so that was pretty interesting um, and and it was you know it was a lot of fun to work with those guys of course and so this was you know a big event and uh, the 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 excitement and the the at that outdoor venue at Caesars Palace where these stole the fights uh, was palpable that night. And I, when they did their walk-ins, I, t- I did something that I now do on a regular basis. I took my headphones off just to hear, and you were talking about the influence of crowds, to hear and look around and drink in that moment. Because I said, you know what, this is a special moment that uh, if I relive something like it, I'm really lucky, but I may not get anything just quite like this. 
and I really did that to get the feeling of the moment. Um, and it was an extraordinary night, obviously. The boxing in the ring was amazing. And what made that especially great, I mean, it was the first round, of course, was madness. And we said at the end of the round, maybe the best round in middleweight history. Uh, and then, you know, it only lasted two and a half rounds. But what made that really special also was the importance of the fight and the fact that these two men had just unequivocally gone to war with each other. What a privilege to be part of something like that. And even as Al said, uh, Dan, in our conversation that we had some time ago now that that interview took place, and I've just saved it uh, in and around these anniversary type things, it's, it's special. You look back on that, it has been almost 40 years, and we're still talking about that fight. And, and the only guys that were calling it live, live for everybody to see were Al Michaels and Al Bernstein, at least in the English-speaking United States version of the call. I don't know who else had the call in another language. <laughs> it was those guys. Again, Barry Tompkins, Ray Leonard, Larry Merchant were calling it, but we weren't going to see it until days later. And we'll hear from Barry Tompkins in a few moments. But anyway, as Al said, arguably greatest greatest round in middleweight history, and it's the first round of the fight. And um, yeah, it, it was uh, it, it just it set it set the boxing world uh, on fire when you found out about it and watched it. And we're still talking about it almost forty years later. That first round in that fight. I will tell you a, a funny story about that fight. So, you know, the, even when they're retired. Leonard and Hagler, Duran Hearns, they're still, because of everything they had gone through in their careers, they're still competitive guys, even though they maybe have chilled out in their, you know, that they did after they were retired, they did chill out to a certain degree. Uh, but they still have that competitive spirit because that's what made them great, like any top fighter or a great athlete in general. So many years ago, and I don't remember what year it was or what fight it was around, but I was in New York City to cover a fight. And they held a roast for Bob Arum at the Friars Club in New York. And so myself and some of the other writers that were covering the fight that we were in town for, obviously it was a top-ranked fight. Uh, we went to the roast to, uh, to see what was going on. And, and Bob had family there, his, his, you know, his kids, his grandkids, you know, his, his other members of the family, people from top rank. And a lot of his former fighters were there. Tommy Hearns uh, was, at the, was at the roast. Just by coincidence, I got seated next to Tommy Hearns at this roast. Wow. And so they're going through and during the course of the, of the comments and people would come up and speak and, you know, it was, it was kind of lighthearted and, and, and kind of funny, a lot of it, but they also had great reels and they kept showing highlights of some of the great fights that Bob had promoted. They showed a clip of a, of an old uh, movie that Bob had appeared in, you know, uh, many years ago. And so one of the things they showed a few times was Marvin Hagler knocking Hearns out in the third round of that fight. And so the first time, you know, Tommy sort of laughed it off and whatever, because, you know, it was it's embarrassing. If you're the guy that got drilled and you've got to live with this, you know, every single year you hear about it of the fans, even though you had a great career, you know, you're you're very well known for just getting annihilated by Marvin Hagler at the end of that fight, even though it was a great fight. Nothing to be ashamed of. It happens. So they showed the, the replay of the knockout and Tommy sort of like, you know, he kind of laughed it off, like I said. Then they showed it again. And he was sort of like going like and I'm sitting next to him watching his reaction. He was kind of annoyed by the time they had showed it probably probably like about four or five times at the course of this roast that lasted the program was maybe like, you know, 45 minutes or something like that, an hour after about the fourth or fifth or sixth time or whatever, Tommy Hearns. Well, I didn't really know that well. I mean, he knew me a little bit. I knew him a little bit. I'd interviewed him a few times and whatever grabs him by the arm and he leans down and he goes, why that? Uh, why the hell do they keep showing that highlight? You know, I'm like, I don't know what to do is, but it was clear that it was getting, 
it was getting to him. It was kind of annoying him that they kept showing among their various highlights, their great top ranked fights. Uh, Marvin Hagler knocking Tommy Hearns out. I just happened to be the guy that was sitting next to Tommy Hearns that, that night uh, watching him watch himself get knocked out uh, probably a half a dozen times. And it as was long uh, as he something I won't to, forget. As long as he didn't try to throw that trademark booming right hand at you like he threw at everybody else. He, he did else. not, thank God. Or we oh, would not be goodness. here having this conversation. Yeah, that's true uh, with the hitman. And again, we're, we're going through this with Dan. Oh on what is now at the time we're doing this the 37th anniversary because the fight still resonates marvin Hagler's middleweight title win i would say would you agree just real quick signature win of his career the most important most significant win he only fought two more times after that Hagler win after that hearns win excuse me uh defeating john mugabe and then losing to sugar ray leonard that it's the most significant moment of Marvin Hagler's career, I believe. Oh, I mean, I think that's, a, that's, that's definitely the signature win. I mean, it was late in his career, obviously. And he had a lot of big wins, whether, you know, mm -hmm. any number of, you know, he made many title defenses uh, during the course of his career, had some some very significant fights. Uh, but yeah, without, I mean, without a doubt, I mean, if you if you consider the biggest opponents he had to be the big four, uh, you know, him being one of them and the other three being Leonard, uh, Duran and Hearns, you know, the Leonard fight, was a huge mega event, but he didn't win. And look, I know there's arguments constantly among boxing fans about who really won that fight. I'll go to my grave. Sugar Ray Leonard won the fight 7-5. I tweet about it. I give my scorecard. I see no way that Marvin Hagler was the outright winner. And I love Marvin Hagler. I love Ray Leonard also. But Hagler didn't win that fight. So that's that's not his biggest win, obviously, because he didn't win the fight. And the Roberto Durant fight, while it was a very good victory for, for, uh, for Marvin Hagler in a, in a pretty good fight, um, because it didn't have that type of out, outstanding action and, and frankly, I never, you never get the feeling that uh, Hagler and Duran had any animosity towards each other the way that Leonard, uh, the way that uh, Marvin and, and Tommy did going into their fight. While it was obviously an important victory, uh, without question, the win over Tommy Hearns was the bigger one. And part of the reason was because, remember, at that point, Ray Leonard is retired. Yes. And so without them being able to try to fight him, you know, even though Marvin fought him later and Tommy ended up fighting him again later, um, he was out of the picture. So the way to make them themselves as big as possible is they needed another dance partner. If Ray Leonard wasn't going to be there to dance with them, they found each other. And so it so became in the a chronology. I'm glad you brought this up in the chronology. Leonard has beaten Hearns. So Hearns desperately wants a rematch, a rematch that he would not get until years, even after the Hagler fight. There was like eight years between their correct between their first so, and their second. So uh, Leonard had beaten Duran in their rematch. So he had the one up on Duran in this interim. Hearns had destroyed Duran the year before the Hagler fight, destroyed him with in one the second round. Great knockout. Lethal booming right hand. So now if Leonard is retired, air quotes, which he was, the logical fight is Hagler to fight uh, against Thomas Hearns because Hagler had also beaten Roberto Duran. So if you couldn't fight Leonard, if, if Hearns couldn't fight him again, and if Hagler couldn't get him for the one time for the mega payday, these were the guys to fight. That's where the money was. And that's an even bigger part uh, of this story. So I want to come back to you in just a second, but I want to hear from Barry Tompkins now uh, as well. Barry was on the call with a retired Ray Leonard uh, as the analyst and Larry Merchant. Here was, here was uh, again, a conversation on a previous big fight weekend podcast where we were talking about the uh, the epic uh, battle between Marvin Hagler and Tommy Hitman Hearns and what Barry Tompkins' remembrances of it are. 
both of you had kind of the same reaction where Al's line with Al Bernstein is something to the effect. How long can they keep it up? Not very long at this point, at this pace, you say in the middle of that first round, obviously this is still the first round. We are all 40 years later, still saying this is still the first round. And it was just great to, to relive. Well, you know, the funny thing about that is there've been a few opportunities. You only have so many opportunities in your career to have, you know, a moment like that. And I say a moment, it was three minutes, but you know, where there's something really big happens and, you're fortunate enough to reckon and Al, of course, did this too. Al does it better than anybody, oh, by the way. But um, to recognize that moment when it happens. And you just hope that you say the right thing at the right time. And is it, it's nothing you could ever prepare for. It's nothing you could ever plan. Uh, and you hope, I've always thought, if you can get 50% of those, you're doing okay. And Al Michaels gets about 75%. You know, I mean, you know, his line in the hockey game in 1980, the Miracle on Ice game was probably one of the most classic lines in sports television history, you know, and he nailed it, you know, and I've been lucky enough. I've had my share. And I think in my own mind, I maybe maybe I've gotten 50 percent the way I would have wanted to do it had I have had time to rehearse it, you know. So again, there were two different broadcasts as we've been laying out on this edition of the Fight Freaks Unite podcast. Uh, And by the way, make sure that you follow or subscribe uh, here to the Big Fight Weekend Podcast Network, and you'll get this podcast. Dan does a great job of publicizing it as well through his Substack, through his social media. Uh, We do the same through Big Fight Weekend, but the easiest way to get new ones like this, to get a notification, to get a ding, to get a blinking light, is if you're following or subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, go under Big Fight Weekend's Podcast Network, look for the Fan Freaks Unite uh, as well through Dan's stuff. You'll be able to find it. Uh, So we're just doing a special podcast about this. So what I'm struck by, and I want your thought on this, is Barry Tompkins even realized Uh, at the time in the middle of that first round this is still the first round that's his famous line from the call with Ray Leonard it's incredible how much action went on in the first minute the first minute and a half and finally Barry who had done so many enormous fights by that time he just had to blurt out what we're all thinking they are clobbering each other in the first round Dan Rayfield (laughs) like you said there was no feeling out process so as you're watching this three minutes elapse you feel like you're watching like the championship rounds of a closely contested fight where both guys know the fights on the table. They need something dramatic, a knockdown, a knockout, whatever the case may be. And so you kind of forget that, that, and, and like you said, Barry was calling the fight and they're just in the corner and they're beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> and it's like, and, and I can picture, cause I've watched the documentary of legendary nights on the film a million times they have an interview with Barry in that documentary. And so they go to a, a picture of him talking and he's like, you know, it's a, still the first round. He throws his hands up in the air. And I remember they were talking to other people that were associated with the camps. And, you know, you have people making comments like, you know, you're watching it and I'm not even in the, in the, in the crowd. I'm at home watching on or wherever they were watching the fight. And you just feel like the sweat coming through the TV. That's the type of intensity that the fight was. So for, like you said, Barry, by making that great call, in the late part of the first round, this is still the first round. He's like thinking and saying what we're all thinking, but don't have the ability to say to the whole world the way he does. He spoke for all of us that we're watching. Uh, What can you say? It is a remarkable fight. I mean, maybe sometimes you think that you make too much about it, but go watch it, man, go watch that fight. And the thing about it is, you know, TJ, you've been around. 
boxing fans can't agree on anything for the most part. But everybody agrees that's one of the all-time great fights. There, there's no dispute about the judging. There's no dispute about who the winner was. There was no dispute that they're both all-time greats, that they're both worthy no Hall of Famers. No dispute about greatest first round of any championship fight. You are not going right. to find yeah. an, you're not going to find one that's better than that. Forty years. And old. let me tell you, if if you ever do find one better than that, who knows what kind of guys those are that are fighting? Because they have to reach a certain you know part of what makes it. As I mentioned, it's not just that it's a great round because of the pure unadulterated violence and action of the round it's that plus who they were yes megastars mainstream megastars you keep Hall in mind of fame fighters yes yeah these are guys that were you know when that fight was over you know that was the cover of sports illustrated which at that time was a big deal uh, to be on the cover of sports illustrated where they did a lot of boxing covers back in that in that time frame all through the magazine's history you know until maybe the last 25 years and now it doesn't even come out every week anymore uh, because we're in a different era in a different world. I mean, the print magazines are, are going the way of the dodo bird. And, you know, it's funny. Matter of fact, I just like uh, one of the magazines besides SI, which I read since I was about 10 years old, uh, you know, Entertainment Weekly, a, a great magazine in the heyday. Uh, I, I, I was at the store picking up a couple things today and I saw it on the stand there and I realized uh, that was the last print edition that they're going only online. So, you know, to see Hagler, like, I'll tell you what, though, I mean, when Hagler Hearns happened, I was, you know, in high school, but I didn't get to see it live because nobody was going to take me to the movie theater to go watch mm -hmm. the fight. So, I mean, I, I remember going to school uh, the next day and hearing some of the kids in school talking about what they had seen or what their parents or their brothers or whatever had told them about this fight. And so people were excited about it. We saw like the picture or the article in the newspaper. And then, you know, you waited to either watch the HBO replay or you got Sports Illustrated, which had the big color photo on the cover and, you know, several pages on the inside. So my first time uh, knowing about that fight, the, the real details of it, frankly, were either reading the newspaper article, not on an Internet site, but in the mm -hmm. actual physical paper you picked up in your, uh, you know, off your driveway um, and seeing the article and reading it in the school library uh, on the Sports Illustrated, you know, during a, like a free period or, you know, on a study hall period. You're, you're a lot like me. I did not see it live. I did see the HBO replay. I do remember that. But yes, the Sports Illustrated would always come usually Thursday in the mail. Yep. Sometimes you were lucky and it got there earlier. It got there on Wednesday if it got out in the postage quicker. But it, it would come Thursday. And so you're seeing those color photos and all of it come to life and you're having to visualize it. I mean, people in the present day don't they can't fathom that there's no social media, much less there's no Internet. You're just you're having to rely on the newspaper. You're having to rely on the magazine and the replay of the fight. That Imagine is, today yeah, a yeah. fight where you couldn't necessarily see it live that was that epic. And you couldn't even see a, a clip or like now let's say you miss a fight on a Saturday night. In two seconds, you can find ample clips on YouTube, any yeah. of the social media social platforms, media. the networks themselves, the, you know, Showtime or Fox or or, or ESPN or whatever the case may be, the zone, they'll put out clips on their social platforms or their own websites. And you obviously can find a way to watch the fight. Even the pay-per-view fights that they want you to pay for that are embargoed, they're still out there if you want to see the highlights. Back at that time, that didn't exist. So imagine telling a kid today or a young adult, not only did you not get to see a clip, you had to wait a week to see a replay on a pay channel or you had to wait three or four days to get a copy of a paper magazine to read about <laughs> it and see pictures of. It. I mean, that's like, what planet are you on? But that's, I mean, look, that's I don't, what happened. It's no disrespect to today's generation that has things like that instantaneously. 
But as a kid, honestly, one of the things I looked forward to more than anything in terms of like my sports entertainment was after the Super Bowl, after a big World Series game, after the Final Four, the Olympics, the biggest events in sports and, and a big championship fight was in that category also was to let the event breathe for a few days and then you get the Sports Illustrated and be able to read their account of it, which was always done by the most brilliant writers. And you would go and read the story of the fight or the, ba- or the game or whatever. And it, it was more than just what you might see from a newspaper or us internet guys on a deadline situation. They would some real depth to it. And it was a great read. And, uh, you know, as much as I enjoy the mediums that we work in now with the internet and all that, I kind of miss those days sometimes sure. where you let the thing breathe and then you get to read this wonderful story about an all-time great fight between Hagler and Hearns as just one of many examples. But that one in particular, because that was how I came to find out details of that fight in a meaningful way was by having to wait a couple of days or three or four days to able to be able to read the account of it in the magazine. All of this is well said. We're going to wrap it up here in a moment or two with Dan uh, Refeel, who has just done a tremendous job. You're an encyclopedia on this as am I on going, on going back and remembering and reminiscing. And I'll probably watch the fight like later tonight after we're taping this, but we're doing this for the 37th anniversary uh, of, uh, of Hagler and Hearns. Um, all right. So, uh, a couple more, a fun thing. You said this to me before I punched the, the record button, April 15th has a negative connotation because it's IRS tax day nationally. So don't forget to pay your taxes or else uncle Sam's not going to forget you. As Especially those boxers that get out of that money in one Ex- fell swoop exactly. and they forget to pay their taxes. So, so it's, but it's a positive day in the, in the Rayfield household as well. Tell them why not just for Hagler Hearns. Well, Hagler Hearns, I mean, obviously one of the, my favorite all-time fights, like many boxing fans, happens to also be April 15th, different years, of course, the birthday of my all-time favorite fighter, which is the late, great Arturo Gatti, April 15th when he was born. And it happens to also be my son's birthday. So got my own son's birthday, my favorite fighter's birthday, and the anniversary of one of my top few fights of all time. That's a and big day. That, that is a big day. I mean, and we remember, we remember this one for... Uh, for all the right reasons of how great it was and how both of those guys were willing to lay it on the line uh, in that in that fight. And Hagler ultimately won it over uh, Tommy Hearns. I mean, that's the that's the thing about this is that Hearns only got satisfaction really from the knockout of Roberto Duran because he didn't get the decision in the second Leonard fight. So he didn't get a win, didn't get his hand raised over Sugar Ray Leonard. And then obviously got knocked out by Marvin Hagler. But so I can understand why he was sitting at that uh, Bob Arum roast many years later, still aggravated about why do they keep showing me getting knocked out? I mean, all those huge knockouts that he had throughout his championship fights and his career. I mean, they did, they did show some of those also. Sure. And like I said, he was a good sport about it the first couple of times. By the time they got around to like three, four, five, it's kind of like he was getting irritated. (laughs) Okay. I don't blame him. (laughs) Enough already uh, on this. Uh, but yeah, what a, what an epic anniversary! All right, anything, uh, Dan Rayfield, in closing here on this that you want to say about the anniversary of Hagler and Hearns? After all, uh, fight freaks unite. They're always looking for your take. You've got a lot of memorabilia. I know if they're hearing us in and around on Friday, you're going to put on social media and through your outlets some of the memorabilia you have from this fight. Anything else you want to add to this or that we haven't covered? Go ahead. I think just that when we when we're done taping this, I'm going to probably go on YouTube and watch it. Yeah. And it and then again, it's not something that you got to block out an hour to watch. No, you got to block out like 10 I, minutes. I still know so many people that want to get fired up for a pay-per-view. Like at the time we're doing this, the Errol Spence, 
Your Dennis Ugas uh, World Welterweight Showdown is coming Saturday night on pay-per-view. Later in this month at the time that we're doing this podcast, Tyson Fury scheduled to fight Dillian White in a heavyweight title fight. If you want to get amped up for that pay-per-view, just plug in on the internet, Hearns and Hagler, and watch that first round, and you'll be charged be charged up i know people that that would do that before their pay-per-view parties no, at their no, house uh, they would just show the first round of Hagler hearns just to get everybody revved up and in the in there the are mood. there are coaches that that and and i know that, that this is something that's not it's not like this is the only fight they may use but i remember long before my days of covering boxing when i used to cover high school sports uh back in the early 90s there was one of the coaches of one of the football teams because uh, i covered a lot of high school football who would uh, on a VHS, remember you could go to the store and they would have like the fight on a replay. They would show like a top rank, put it out, um, and you could, you could get the what was the Al Michaels and uh, and Al Bernstein call of the fight plus you know the associated buildup and documentary type stuff and 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 all the all the interviews and all the all the total thing for like an hour long show. But the coach would would have the VHS cassette and show it the fight to the team before the big game just to get them revved up. Mm. I mean that's. You know, again, like you said, you don't have to give up an hour. If you want to show, get your team geared up for the big game and you want them to go out there and have some hard hits on the field, you show them Hagler Hearns for, you know, eight or nine minutes and, uh, and, and let that sink in for a minute and go out there and let's get these guys, fellas. That's what those two guys were trying to do that night, April 15th, 1985 in Las Vegas. And Marvin Hagler, the late Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns laid it all on the line. It's why we're talking about it nearly 40 years later. I've had a thrill talking about it with you. I hope the fans have enjoyed this as well. You and I could probably go on like we were talking about on the documentary that could go on for an hour or an hour and a half. <laughs> we could probably go another half hour or an hour if we wanted to, but I think we, I, I think we pretty well covered why this is so significant and why we remember it and why fight fans, longtime fight fans are still talking about this. And even if you're a younger fan, we keep encouraging it the same way. Go pop this on YouTube or wherever you can find it. And you will see, if you haven't seen, I can't believe that, you will see why we are talking about what we're talking about in particular with that first round. Anything else, Dan? We good? We're good. I just think, like you were saying, one more thing. I would encourage, and I've done this many times, all younger boxing fans to explore. Go on YouTube, and not just Hagler Hearns, but even some other Hagler fights, other Hearns fights that maybe aren't as famous, or some other fighter that interests uh, that person. To, to go, the amount of material available is, is I mean, I do it all the time, and I still find gems that I haven't seen or hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, the amount of material is phenomenal. It's a wonderful resource. It's a it's history at your fingertips, and you start with the big ones like Hagler Hearns and then work your way down that rabbit hole. And this guy's a remarkable resource. I always do love uh, getting insight from guys that have such great perspective. And, uh, and Dan Rayfield certainly has that. Listen, thank you. I appreciate the retrospective and the look back on Hagler Hearns and that anniversary of April 15th, 1985. Thank you, Dan. You bet, TJ. Great to talk about it. Love the great subject. And, uh, and we also, again, want to thank our friends with Showtime that helped us with the interviews previously with Al Bernstein and with Barry Tompkins, who both were on the separate calls of that fight. Fight Freaks Unite is the name of, of what Dan has created, and the podcast version is right here uh, on the uh, Big Fight Weekend podcast network of shows. So, again, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Just look for Big Fight Weekend and the podcast and the podcast network. That's where we also have Fight Freaks Unite. 
and we do things like this, including recap shows, but any any big anniversary, something like that, you want to be part of that. Find Dan as well through our site, through BigFightWeekend.com, but also his Substack. He's constantly promoting anniversaries, his memorabilia, his social media, all of that is all tied in uh, through Fight Freaks Unite. Uh, Dan, I appreciate it. I'm TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with us here as part of Fight Freaks Unite, looking back on Hagler Hearns and that epic fight, 1985. Bye.